Would you turn with me please to the book of Isaiah? We have two readings. Isaiah 64 and Isaiah 6. Turn first of all to Isaiah chapter Isaiah 6, we'll just read the first five verses, then we will come back to this portion of Scripture. Isaiah 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, sitting upon a throne high and lifted up on his tree and filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now let's go to chapter 64, please. And if you would just mark that chapter as well, that you may turn to it again a little later. Chapter 64, and we'll just lift the first seven verses out of this. Verse 1. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, and when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we look not for, thou camest down, the mountains flow down at thy presence. For since the beginning of the world, men had not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. And those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us, and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. You know, the Lord will bless that reading of his own divine and inspired word. But let's just buy in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for everyone that's come out tonight. And Lord, for those that are even preparing the mission hall for after this meeting, we ask you to bless them. For those that are away ministering, Ronnie preaching, Billy singing, Father, whoever else, we pray, Lord, that you would encourage them. For those that are maybe ill and unable to come tonight, we pray for your healing hand to be with them and upon them. Father, we ask you now to shut us in with you. And help me, Lord, with clay lips to preach thy word unto this people and to all 
who will hear, all who will watch live, and all who will watch later. Lord, will you touch our hearts afresh again and glorify your Son. Lord, we need you. We want you. We desire you. And we ask you to come. Holy Spirit, and bless. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When the best of men stand before the Lord of heaven is the title of this evening's message. When I say when the best of men, remember the old saying is, the best of men are only men at their best. The best of men are only men at their best. We find that even in Isaiah chapter 64, we have the prophet here. And the prophet, he's uh, from uh, the priesthood in the temple. If you want, we can call it in the church in Israel. And here he's going around with the, the prophetic gift and utterance around the nation of Israel. And he's crying against them and telling them to turn back to God. Telling them that the Lord will have vengeance. Telling them that the Lord will come. And none of them will listen. None of them will hear or hearken to the voice of the prophet. And what we are going to see this evening in the Lord's will is how all of us are before God. But how our nation is before God. Whether it be from uh, John O'Groats to Land's End. From London to London Derry. And we've got our Dublin brother here, John, with us. I mean, how you too, John? Right down south of Dublin. Bless you. Right past to the south of Ireland. These islands need a move of the Holy Ghost. These islands need the Lord to come down and to turn us from our wickedness. The Lord needs to come and now again and move in the church that he may turn our hearts back to himself first and away from the things of the world and away from the luxuries of life and away from the pleasures that we love to turn the church away from the gimmicks and the entertainment that we love so much and back to the word of God. Pastor Aaron preached it this morning. Back to the book to the word of God. Back to the scriptures because it's in this word that we have life. And it's in this word alone that we find who we are before a holy God and who he is in wrath against people outside of Christ. Notice this, the prophet here is desperate. By the time he gets to chapter 64, he's desperate in, if it were, the church, the temple. He's desperate for the nation. He's desperate for the people. And I find that there are now men in pulpits who are no longer desperate. No longer desperate for a move of God. No longer desperate for a call onto the people, onto the nation. No longer desperate where they are willing in a politically correct environment and society and nation. They are not desperate enough to take their stand and tell the people the truth of the word. We need men, we need prophets in Ulster. We need prophets in Ireland. And we need prophets across Britain. We need men who will stand up and step out and proclaim the word of the Lord to the people. 
People say it offends them. Well, if the word offends, it's the word that offends. If I offend you, I don't mean to offend you. But I preach what the word says, just as the pastor again said this morning. You're getting a double dose today. If you were here this morning, it was along similar lines. And I was thinking, he's going to steal my message here if he keeps going. (laughs) We need men in the pulpits who are going to stand behind the sacred desk and declare the ways of the Lord for the church and for the nation. Notice a desperate cry rings out from a desperate heart of a desperate prophet. And listen, it rings out because he's among a desperate people who don't realize how desperate they are in their sin. Notice verse 1 of Isaiah 64. Listen to his cry. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. Isaiah isn't speaking here to those even in the temple. Isaiah isn't even speaking anymore in this place to the nation. He has prophesied, he has preached, he has warned, he has told, and they haven't listened. Rather, he now turns his heart and he cries with desperation, not to the church and not to the nation, but he cries unto God. If you don't rend the heavens and come down, our nation is finished. We could say that over these islands tonight. Save God, rend the heavens and come down in the spirit. Save he, rend the heavens and come down into the hearts of the church. Save he, come down again afresh and rend the heavens and rend the hearts of men and women then we can find that we are going to hell in a handcart. That our nation will be lost. And that men and women will find it'll be too late. Not only too late but because they'll stand before God. Too late to turn the land around. When the heathen is in. Do you know just this week they had uh, in Trafalgar Square a large gathering. You know what they had? They had the calling of the Islamic God and the speakers all over the centre of London. The moon God. The false God. And notice this. As it gets more and more, the people of God get less and less. And as it increases, we get more cowardly. And the, 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 the pastors and the preachers and the so-called prophets want to prophesy about money. And they want to preach and prophesy about good living. They want to tell you how to have a blessed day. And all the while, our nation is getting worse. And the people love to have it so. Notice a desperate cry indeed. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. Now the heavens are going to rend again when Christ returns. And if you're not saved, it's going to be too late. What we are praying tonight is, Lord, would you come again in power? Would you come again in glory, in the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you cause men and women to realize their depravity, to realize their need of Christ, 
to realize the sin that they're in. Lord, would you go through the denominations, every single one of them, that think that men and women are saved by that denomination. Will you raid them up? Will you raid them out? And will you save the souls of men and women? They're taken to hell. That's what we need, brothers and sisters, in our land tonight. Lord, would you come to CET? Would you come and rend our hearts? Would you come, Lord, and move in revival blessing in our lives, in our spirits, in our hearts? Because, God, if you don't come, listen, this man, that man, in this place, and others like us, we can't do it, oh God. We can't do it. I can't do it. Told the people this morning, I can't save you. Only he saves. Only he saves. I can preach the word. I can bring you to salvation. But only he saves. I can't keep you. I can encourage you to go on, but I can't keep you. Only he keeps. Only he keeps. And so I can't lose you. Notice here what the prophet says. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. Remember, Isaiah who cried this out from unto God, he's saying, Lord, our enemies are all around us. The enemies of Israel were all around them. And the people of Israel in the nation itself had become so sinful, so debauched and so depraved. Everything went, every sexual Immorality was a cross and rife in the land and in the hearts of men and women. They loved to have all the opulence and the things that it brought. And even at the very pinnacle sometimes of their prosperity, that's all they chased, never mind worrying or wanting to know how they stood with Almighty God. And the prophet preaches to them and tells them of God. And he warns them again and again. And he gets here where we read in Isaiah 64. And he says, Lord, would you rend the heavens and please come down? Sometimes we forget in our own lives and our own problems. We forget our nation. We forget our people. Remember, it was Isaiah who cried the vision that we read in Isaiah 6. Would you turn with me, please, to it? Listen to what he says. Isaiah 6 and 1. In the year the king Uzziah died, that was the king in Judah, sitting in the thro- on the throne in Jerusalem. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up in his train, Filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. Now notice this, brothers and sisters. Notice this, friend. Isaiah sees the Lord. Yahweh. Jehovah. And he sees him on a throne. He's high and lifted up. He's elevated in a place of power. And all authority in position. And there are the seraphims, each one of these creatures that he hath made hath six wings. With twain or with two wings he covers his face. He can't abide, they can't stand in the presence of the Holy One. They must cover their face in the glory of the King. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covers his feet. Why the feet? Because the feet resemble 
where you have walked, where you have been, and the life that you had taken, and the path you went down. So they cover, as it were, even though they are the holy angels of God, cover their feet in the presence of glory. Cover their face, cover their feet, and with two or twain they did fly. And the idea of a serp means a burning one. It's like a flickering flame. Here these flickering, burning angelic beings, and they're flickering with two wings, covering their face and their feet. Two wings meaning, Lord, say the word only, and we're ready for your service. Speak the word only, O God, and we're ready to do your will. Tell us, O Lord, where to go, and we will go. Angel, angelic beings, seraphims, listen, who do not know what it is like to be redeemed. Who have never tasted the gift of salvation from the Lord. And standing in his presence, one cries unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now, I know three holies, and they say the Father is holy, the Son is holy, and the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And that's true. That's not what that means. It's the idea of a call of adoration and exaltation. This is the way they sing it. Holy. And the next one goes, holy, holy. That's the way it goes. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that's what Isaiah saw. The Lord upon his throne. High and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. And these angelic beings, these seraphim, are calling one to another. And the worship of the Lord on his throne. Who was it that Isaiah saw? I'll tell you who Isaiah saw. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ pre Bethlehem. He saw a manifestation of the living God. He saw the Lord Himself. Upon the throne, high and lifted up. And notice what he says here in verse 4. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. Brother, can I ask you a question? It's not a condemnation. I promise you it's not. I ask it all the time myself. Because we all have our moments when we feel that we're not as spiritual as others. Isn't that right? The door of the post moved. The heavenly posts are not just like the posts of these doors you walked in tonight or these doors over here for a fire exit. The door posts were these door posts of glory. And they moved at the voice of the Lord. Moved when he spoke. Even heaven itself reverberates with the word of God. When's the last time the word of God moved you? When's the last time the word of God moved you, sister? The word of God entered your very soul and moved you. Oh, he can move the posts of heaven. And sometimes he can't move us, as it were, in our very hearts. Well, you know, he's sovereign. And if God wanted to move you, believe me, he would move you. But he wants you to receive him. He wants you to receive him. 
Maybe you're not saved and you haven't been moved by the gospel of saving grace before. I want you to know that this one on the throne, by the time we get to the gospels, 700 and maybe 50 years after this, we see the same one high and lifted up, but he's not on a throne. He's come down and he's on a cross. And instead of the seraphim crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory on one side and on the other of him. We have one thief on this side and another thief on the other side. And one is casting insults in his teeth. We have the crowd around about him instead of a heavenly host. A crowd of filthy, rotten, depraved human sinners. Scorning him. Mocking him. As he hung and bled and died on Calvary's tree. Can I ask you another question? Considering that he did this for you, came down from that, went to that cross and did that for you. If you're not saved, what could you give him for your salvation? What do you think you could offer him that you might be saved? Your good works. Your good works in in the light of this holiness. The best of men before the Lord of heaven. Your good works in his holiness pales into insignificance, doesn't it? What could you offer him? Your church denomination and your religion appeals into insignificance. Because even the Lord says that the man's works are like an unclean thing, like a filthy rag. And it really means, you know what it means? To, I don't mean to be crude. It means it's like a menstrual rag before me. That's the idea of this. The Lord says, you bring your works to me? You think you can bring your works to me? It's like a menstrual rag to me. Well, tell me how I get saved. Tell me what to do then. I'll tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says, whosoever shall call. Simple. Whosoever shall call. That's it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He has done it all. He has paid it all. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Nothing to come to to the Lord with. Nothing that he will accept. And notice this. The the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Notice what the prophet says. Ready? The best of men before the Lord of heaven. This man in the temple. This man of religion. This man of works. This man of the do, do, do. Now he stands before the Holy One of Israel. Our Redeemer. Then said I, what did you say, Isaiah? I saw all this, Ken. I saw all this, Aaron, William, and quite right. Then said I, Barbara, woe is me. Wow. Woe is me. In the presence of holiness. I mentioned this at the mission. Let me mention it again. There's too much of this. Come on, the Lord. Come on. 
you come on the Lord and he'll just do what you want. And it was like, you're God and he's your servant. Listen, he is sovereign Lord of all. And standing in his presence, he says, Isaiah says, woe is me. But you're, but you're a temple priest. Woe is me. But Isaiah, you're a man of religion and of faith. Woe is me. You're a man of chosen line. He says, woe is me, for I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. (laughs) How do you know, Isaiah? What makes you think you're unclean? Be a good person. Is that what we hear? What makes you think you're unclean? Look, see all this stuff, you know, you're a sinner. And that's another thing coming into the church. You're not a sinner. You make mistakes. Listen, you're a sinner if you're outside of Christ. Simple as that. How do you know you have unclean lips, Isaiah? How do you know you're unclean before God? How do you know, Isaiah? You ready for Isaiah's reply? Verse 5. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah says, I saw him. Even the best of men. And they stand before the Lord of heaven. Crumble in his presence. I can't get away from the sovereignty of God. I know some would want, not here, but others would maybe say, you know, forget about the sovereignty and what about human will? And what about this and what about that? Listen, we're like little specks of dust on dust on dust and you're talking about your will he is the sovereign God notice this the word undone here means is a word damam it means to be silenced to destroy, to perish, to cut off. And Isaiah in the presence of God standing before the God of self-existence And standing in the presence of his holy essence. Isaiah has a deep sense of depravity. And he cries, woe is me. For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And how do I know? For mine eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. How would you stand before God? Here's something for the Christian. See when Christ doth rend the heavens and come down. When we, the dead in Christ, shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. We're told we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Isn't that right? You see, we will be free from the very presence of sin then because our bodies will not be in weakness anymore. But here's something to think about. If God didn't change you, you'd be consumed by his presence. You couldn't stand in his glory. Notice, unable to approach his throne, the sight and vision was enough to silence the prophet. He had no words. He had no strength. 
He could not stand in the presence of God. And notice the tone, he says, woe is me. You see, don't worry about the person beside you. Left or right. Don't worry about the person behind you or in front of you. It's all about you and him. Woe is me. Notice here the word woe is a passionate cry of grief and despair. That's the idea. Woe is me. It's a passionate cry of grief and despair. Now in Matthew's gospel chapter 5 and verse 4. And now I've used this too. So again, this is not... uh, this is not a condemnation on anyone, but I've used this before too. But the times when we've lost loved ones and the minister comes along or the pastor or the preacher and we're standing at a funeral and we use Matthew 5 and 4, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. And that's true. Please, there's nothing wrong. That's true. That's not what Jesus means. That's not what he means there. For when we do mourn and turn to him, he does comfort us, but that's not what Jesus means. This is what he means. Because in Matthew 5, he's, he's talking about what's known as the ethics of the kingdom. Blessed are they that mourn over their sin. For they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn over their sin, for they shall be comforted. And so this passionate cry of grief and despair, Woe is me, for I am undone cries the prophet. Listen to uh, the old patriarch Job. And we know the story, Job loses everything. The devil comes. And he was one of the best. Satan comes before God in chapter 1. And the Lord says, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in all the earth, a man that feareth God and escheweth evil? And so, Poor Job then, Satan says, well, I'll just go and try my then. And it was all in the sovereignty of God. You see, when people tell you, you know, well, you're sick because, don't be wrong, sin can't bring sickness. I don't mean, it can't do. But it doesn't mean to say everybody that has a sickness has sinned. In the sense that they are living a, a bad immoral life. That's not what that means. But sometimes when we are tried, we have to understand in the sovereign will of God that Satan could only go so far and no further. And listen, at times when you're ill, nobody wants to be ill, and we don't want you to be ill, and we'll pray for your healing. Pray for a man in here. Uh, I was at the mission during the week. He's here this morning, and he turned up tonight. And we prayed for him, and he told me this morning, when he's laid hands on me on Thursday and prayed, he says, I've been, I've been fantastic. Every symptom has left him. He was able to go to work yesterday and work the whole day, which he hadn't done in a long time. God. God just touched the man there and then when we prayed for him. So we will pray for you. But here's the thing. When someone comes and says, God's fell out with you because you're sick, you just tell them to go away home and sort themselves out. One for a better word. You tell them where... (laughs) You tell them where your hope's in. (laughs) I tell you something, friends. This is personal to me. 
I went through a terrible time. And I was told it was my fault my family died because I hadn't enough faith. Sat in my house and told me this person, it's your fault. They only died. You hadn't enough faith to have them healed. And I just went, there's the door. He's sovereign, not me. Be grounded because these things are happening. Christ is the sovereign Lord. Notice, Job has lost everything. And when your father, even when you're going through a sickness, we'll be praying for you. We will lay hands and we will anoint you with oil or whatever it takes. And we will be praying for healing and we will continue on until the Lord says different. But let me tell you this. No matter what is happening to you, rejoice that no matter what happens to you in life, When you're in Christ, you have a heavenly Father who loves you. You have a heavenly Father who cares for you. We have a heavenly Father who says to the devil, Thus far and no further, they are mine. Notice here, Job has lost everything. He lost his house. He lost his, his livestock. He even lost his children. Wow, what a terrible, unthinkable. And then he loses his very health. Sitting in ashes with broken shards of pottery, trying to scrape the ease, the itch, and the, the tormenting skin condition he has. And the only one that's left is three. People talk about Job's comforters. It didn't comfort him at all. It made him worse. He had his so-called comforters and his wife. And his wife. <laughs> his wife was a bit to be desired. <laughs> Curse God and die. Look, see whenever I'm at my lowest ebb, see whenever I'm going through it, you know the last thing I need? is negativity. We need faith. Speaking faith. Speaking encouragement. Speaking the word of God. It lifts you up. Notice what Job says, because in Job chapter 40, the Lord starts to speak, and we haven't time to go into it. You read it when you go home. He says, were you there when this happened? When you were there, that happened? You were when I created the stars? Were you there here and there? And Job is starting to feel smaller and smaller and smaller. Were you there, Job? Were you there? Can you do this that I can do? Ah, you see, you think you're in charge of it all, don't you? You think when it's out of your hands, it's out of control. But when it's out of your hands, you place it into God's hands, and your hands will not make a mess of it. He has it in control. Can you do what I do, Job? No. Were you there, Job? No. And when we get to chapter 42, listen to verses 5 and 6. Job says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. I've heard of you, Lord. He, he, he had altars to God. He had all his religion. He had altars to God. I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. And maybe you've heard about saving grace in Christ. 
And maybe you've heard that you need saved. And maybe you've heard about the blood that he shed. And maybe you've heard about the word of God. And maybe you've heard all the things that you've heard over the years. And maybe it's just all, that's it, just heard it no more. He says, I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear. Listen what he says. I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye seeth thee. Well, Job, you must be rejoicing. You must feel like 10 foot tall. You must think you're the most godly. You must think you're the most righteous man in the whole of the earth because you heard of him and now you see him. What size are you, Job? Verse 6. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I've seen you. I've heard of you. I've seen you. I abhor myself. But Job, you've come through a lot. I'm unworthy in his presence. I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The best of men to stand before the Lord of heaven. Listen, would you go to the book of Ezekiel, please, as well? Book of Ezekiel, please. Just to lift out a verse or two. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Justin. Let your eye run right down to the end of that chapter, if you will. Verse 28. So he sees all this wonderful appearance of heaven and the Lord and all of this likeness in verse 26 as an appearance of a man above this throne. This appearance of a man is a theophany, a visible expression of the invisible God. It is the one that Isaiah saw on the throne high and lifted up in the train filling the temple. And then in verse 28 he says, As the appearance of the bow that is in the clouds in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and heard a voice of one that spake. He saw it, and he fell on his face. But you're a priest in the temple, Ezekiel. Chapter 2, And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me. When he spake unto me, and he set me upon my feet, and I heard him that spake unto me. Do you know what he's saying here? You stand up, and I'll give you the strength. I'm giving you the grace to stand up in my presence. And listen, he says, when he spoke to me, Isaiah says, he spoke and the pillars of the doors of, of heaven moved. Now, Ezekiel sees this vision and he says, when he spake to me, listen, the Spirit entered into me. There's a picture of how the Word and the Spirit causes a man to come alive before God, causes a woman to rejoice in his presence. And notice here, he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee unto to, to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this day. For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And he goes on with it. Without the touch of the Lord, the prophet couldn't stand. 
Go with me to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. And as your eye run down, please, to verse 8. Therefore, he says, Daniel says, he sees a vision. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words. When I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, but set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Daniel who prayed three times a day. Daniel who opened his windows toward Jerusalem. Daniel who against all of Nebuchadnezzar's armies and rules, who still worshipped the Lord when none others would. Daniel saw him. He says, and I retain no strength. He just went weak in the presence of the Lord. My comeliness, everything that I thought was good in me, turned to corruption. Brothers and sisters, are we getting this tonight? Friend, are you getting it really? Who man is before the Holy One? Who we are? Now, when we are in Christ, we are righteous. When we are Christ, we do not stand in our sin because we're washed in the blood. We've trusted in what he's done for us at Calvary. When we are in Christ, we're in grace. We're not in condemnation. When we are in Christ, we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are adopted into his family and we will be in his household forever. When we are in Christ, we're all of that and we will not stand in judgment. But nevertheless, this is the human frame before the Lord. Verse 15. And when he had spoken such words to me, I set my face toward the ground and and I became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto unto him, that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord? For as for me, straightway, there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Only for the touch of the Lord, Daniel couldn't stand in his presence. Only for the touch of the Lord, Ezekiel couldn't stand in his presence. And in Isaiah chapter 6, only for the live coal being taken off the altar in the touch of the Lord. Isaiah couldn't stand in his presence. Ah, sure, that's just all Old Testament stuff. Well, let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. I'm bringing this to a close. We need to get closed for the mission. Revelation chapter 1. And just let your eye, please, just run down. Verse 17. John says when he saw the Lord. And when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me, upon me saying unto me. Fear not I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold I am alive forevermore. Amen and have the keys. Of hell and of death. 
Notice even John collapsed in his presence. And he had to lay his hand on him. Stand up. Stand up. When the prophet in chapter 64 cries, Woe is me, I am undone. You know what he's saying? I'm terrified and I can't speak. I'm terrified and I feel like I'm perishing in your presence. I'm terrified, Lord, just by the vision of you. I'm terrified. Just want to show you one more thing. And if you'll go with me, please. And this is me finished. If you go with me to the book of Hosea, please. Hosea. You're right across the next book from Daniel. Hosea chapter 5. And just let your eye run down for time's sake. Hosea 5, please. Verse 13. The prophet Hosea is a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. But here he mentions both kingdoms, the north and the south. Verse 13, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian and sent to King Jareb, yet could he not heal you nor cure you of your wound. Now here Ephraim is the name for the northern kingdom, the ten tribe northern kingdom. And Judah has Judah, Benjamin, some of Levi, the priest tribe in the south. And the Lord says, when Ephraim saw his sickness, that is the northern kingdom, when did Ephraim, and how did Ephraim see their sickness? And when Judah saw his wound, what does that mean? Well, here the idea is this. Now, for example, in the, the Hebrew, the word to saw, Ephraim saw, Judah saw, is the word ra'ah. Ra'ah. And the corresponding Greek word is the word horao. Horao. And then there's a Latin word which corresponds ra'ah, horao. And the Latin word is video. Video. Sound familiar? Video is the English. God, through the preaching of the word, God, through the prophets, Sending forth men with the word of God and the spirit of the Lord. Show them, it means to look one upon another. To be able to behold, to be able to see one against another. Things that were happening in the land and in the nation. It was as though God had set a video before them. Here's who you are. Now here's our prayer. Here's our prayer tonight for Britain. England, Scotland, with two English here tonight. There's one, there's one. You, oh, sorry, you're Welsh. Uh, pardon me. Sorry, Owen. Sorry. Sorry, Barbara. I apologize. Welsh. You're your light in. Here's our, here's our prayer. That the Lord would rend the heavens and come down. 
in the spirit, Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, that he would show, as it were, raise up men with the word of God in their hearts, unafraid to preach it from their lips, that he would raise up men to go into the pulpits, to go into the streets, raise up women to speak where they are, wherever they may be, to go through our nation and to across our land. As I said, from John O'Groats to Land's End, from London to London Derry, and from Dundee to Dublin. There you are, John. <laughs> that he would show through the preaching of the word, that he would show like a video when Ephraim saw his sickness, that Ephraim, Britain would see their sickness. When Judah saw his wound, that Judah, or the, the, the very nations that we live in, would see like a video played before them because they're not seeing, they're blind. They're walking blind. They're walking every day blind. Socialist Marxism is ruling our lands and our nation and our people are dying without Christ and the church has forgotten the blood and the book and the cross and they want entertainment and they want fairy tales and they want soft soaping stories. They have men in pulpits that have backbones like wet noodles and carved out a banana. We need men in the pulpit that will preach the word of God without fear or favor. Peter saw him when he pulled in the great hall of fish. And Christ is in the boat and he gets on his knees and he says, Depart from me, O Lord. Beg Peter, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. Folks, you know on CET, and to those who have visited, we love you coming to share with us tonight. And you're very welcome. But I'll tell you, you'll find it in CET. We do speak because we love you. Because we love souls of men and women. And the only hope for our nation is the gospel of grace found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That men and women will come to a saving faith in him. May God bless his word. To all of our hearts tonight. Amen.